Hi, I'm Chantelle. And I'm Matthew. And we're founders of Fifth Place, where our mission is to make the world a better place by enabling the how. Welcome, Welcome to, to our Emotions, Emotions Matter, Matter Really podcast. In this podcast, we explore everything about emotions, feelings, and what it is to become and remain emotionally fit. We delve into everything about emotions, emotional well-being, and mental health. We interrogate the taboo around expressing and talking about emotions and feelings. We talk about all those things we want less of, like stress, anxiety, and burnout, and the things we want more of, like sleep, calm, and self-care. We explore tools, tips and techniques for managing your emotions. We examine what it means to be emotionally fit and why this equals a better quality of life. In her book, Somatic Practices for Presence, Empowerment and Waking Up in This Life, Christine Caldwell says, this issue about the body is about coming home The body isn't a thing we have, but an experience we are. Bodyfulness is about working toward our potential as a whole human animal that breathes as well as thinks, moves as well as sits still, takes action as well as considers, and exists not just because it thinks, but because it dances, stretches, bounces, gazes, focuses, and attunes to others. Wow, she captures so well our view of what it means to be a vibrant, multifaceted human being. We love that she says that it's about coming home. We feel the same way, and we want to bring people back home. We want to get people to come back to their bodies. And this is what this episode is about today, coming back to your body. We all have bodies. So it seems paradoxical that we are calling for people to come back to them. When did they leave their bodies? Has it been a mass alien abduction or something, Matthew? Well, no, thankfully no alien abduction. But our journey and research and our work with people from all walks of life has shown us a more sobering perspective about people and how they relate to their bodies. In general, we have seen that people are not at home in their bodies at all. We have come to see that people actually are very disconnected from their bodies. And for some, this is a survival mechanism developed in response to deep trauma and feeling unsafe in the presence of emotions. When there has been trauma that isn't processed, the feelings can be so overwhelming that people in this state do everything they can to bury, avoid, and numb their emotions. Mm. In his book, The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind and Body in the Healing of Trauma, Bessel van der Kolk writes, After trauma, the world is experienced with a different nervous system. The survivor's energy now becomes focused on suppressing inner chaos at the expense of spontaneous involvement in their lives. For the rest of us, we tend to spend most of our time in our heads, and view the body as a mere vehicle to carry around this superior organ, the think-king brain, as someone we recently engaged with described it as. So why is it that we are so tunnel-visioned on the brain and mind 
at the expense of our bodies and somatic or felt sensations? What are your thoughts, Chantelle? Well, it's not really surprising that we focus so much on the so-called superiority of our minds. For centuries, we have been schooled and socialized to view our emotions as secondary to our analytical, rational brains. You know, as far back as the times of ancient Greece, the philosopher Plato wrote about the human mind being in a state of perpetual battle between, on the one side, basic survival instincts and emotions, these potentially chaotic and contrary parts of us, and then on the other, the rational brain that reigns them in and controls them in order to make us more refined and respectable beings. And the interesting thing is that to date, this tale remains a treasured narrative in the Western civilization to the point that scientists, scientists mapped this analogy on the brain in an attempt to explain how it evolved. The triune theory that developed as a result posited the following. First, the human brain evolved in layers from the reptilian brain, which was used primarily for our survival, through the emotional layer or limbic system, to eventually grow the third and outermost layer known as the neocortex, which is the source of our rational thought. But, don't you love that word? As Lisa Feldman Barrett tells us in her book, Seven and a Half, Lessons About the Brain, and I quote, The triune brain idea is one of the most successful and widespread errors in all of science. It is a modern myth, and along with it, all kinds of beliefs and positions about the importance of the rational brain over the lesser emotions are misdirected and incorrect. Hmm, yes indeed. And what we have come to find, in fact, is that our emotions underpin everything we do. And if we don't learn to manage and regulate our emotions appropriately, if we rather ignore or ban, bury, avoid and numb and dismiss our emotions, then they will affect us in all kinds of potentially negative ways. And the scientific research of Candace Pert revealed that unexpressed emotions literally get stuck and cause us to get ill. In the meantime, our ability to relate to ourselves and each other is impacted. Our decision-making capability is impeded. And our world is really not a very nice place. Wow, it really does highlight the importance of emotions. I mean, before the onslaught of COVID-19 and the impact of lockdowns, mental health and emotional fitness, well was of vague interest and mainly for those who were deemed to be mentally ill. And having come through COVID-19, it's clear that there is a much bigger issue out there. And we all have a responsibility to deal with it. It can't be hidden any longer. And that issue I'm referring to here is that of our mental well-being and our emotional fitness as a species. Yeah, the response to the pandemic was so fear-based. We were all terrified of getting ill and, and even so much more of the risk of dying. I mean, families were kept apart from one another. Our social systems were closed down. It really was terrible. We'll add to that the lack of control over our environment, the inability to move freely. This all resulted in increased anxiety, anger, aggression, depression, to name a few. And we are still processing 
mm. enormous grief at the multiple losses we all experienced. The loss of a way of life, mm-hmm. the loss of income, the loss of friends and family members, whether it was to COVID-19 or even the sometimes polarizing debates around it, are just some examples of this loss. And we literally had nowhere to go. All of the normal avenues that we typically use to deal with our discomfort, the discomfort of these awful emotions, things like exercise or getting out into nature, socializing, being hugged and held, or even just having someone smile at us, were all but outlawed. I know. Isn't that just amazing to think that they were all but outlawed? Um, And we were confined like prisoners to our home spaces. And as much as we may have liked our homes, we could not escape from them and their unnerving noise or silence. The situation actually created a pressure cooker environment for many of us. And when the lids blew, our demons came out to play and we were not prepared for them. And the mess was far-reaching. Decimated relationships, destroyed families, increased aggression and violence, increased hopelessness. Very few went unaffected. So Chantal and I, we, we want to ensure this doesn't happen again. We want to teach people how to become more aware, more educated about their emotions. We want to train people, you, to become more emotionally fit and offer ways to relieve the distress and manage the unpleasant feelings more resourcefully. But if we want to feel different, if we as individuals and then as a collective want to be different, we have to come back to our bodies. Neuroscience research shows that the only way we can change the way we feel is by becoming aware of our inner experience and learning to befriend what is going on inside ourselves. Returning to Bessel van der Kolk, he says body awareness puts us in touch with our inner world, the landscape of our organism, and that mindfulness puts us in touch with the transitory nature of our feelings and perceptions. When we pay focused attention to our bodily sensations, we can recognize the ebb and flow of our emotions and with that, increase our control over them. We prefer to talk about managing or regulating our emotions rather than controlling them. We worry that when the focus is on control, or because like the tide, we can't always control how we feel, and we believe that half of our emotional and mental health issues are a result of trying to control the uncontrollable. Carl Jung, the Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst, asserts, What you resist not only persists, but will grow in size. And this is certainly true of unprocessed and stuck emotions. Mm. And then Descartes, the philosopher, said, I think, therefore I am. But we don't believe that, do we? No. We don't agree, should I say. We say, I am because I feel, or I feel, therefore I am. And we have a principle at fifth place that says, I am because I feel, because I feel, I remember, because I remember, I have a history, because I have a history, I have an identity. I am because I feel. To feel is a big deal. It makes us human. It makes us who we are. We need to honor that. Okay, so then what does it mean to be bodyful? 
if we come back to Christine Caldwell, she reminds us that our body is a process, a masterpiece of breathing, digesting, respirating, thinking, and of course, feeling. The body has a physical presence. It is both matter and energy, animate and constantly moving. And she lists eight principles of movement that relate to bodyfulness. The first one is oscillation, which is full, complete movement. Up, down, forward, back, side to side. Our body is in constant oscillation, from the individual cells to the whole body. Bodyfulness involves the ability to consciously travel through multiple arcs and a continuum of actions and states, from work to rest, aloneness to community, care for oneself to care for others. The second principle, balance. The ability of our body and bodily systems to hover around certain set points, physically or metabolically, to remain optimally healthy. Next are feedback loops, the sending and receiving of information, top-down processing, using verbal and cognitive reflections to promote behavioral change, or the bottom-up processing, where we work with our body and behavior to change how or what we think. When our feedback loops are not listened to, such as physical symptoms that are ignored or suppressed, this sets us up for illness. Emotions are bottom-up processes, and the cognitive top-down processes help to inhibit, mold, allow, and enable our emotions to either become our friends or our enemies. A bodyfulness practice, like Shape of Emotion, takes advantage of this movement principle to assist in making our emotions our friends. The next principle, the fourth one, Christine Caldwell talks about energy conservation and reminds us that learning something new takes up a great deal of energy. That's why habits can be so difficult to break. Change is also energy intense, so we don't like it. Lisa Feldman Barrett refers to this a lot as well, and she calls it our body budget. And in our work, Chantelle and I have seen how important it is to listen to our body and honor its needs for breaks and rests rather than pushing on or through. The fifth principle for bodyfulness is discipline. In order to create and maintain habits that support physical, cognitive and emotional well-being, we need to practice, and practice involves discipline. Yes, change and challenge is next. This refers to an attitude of lifelong learning. Lifelong learning keeps us producing new cells and staying youthful. Any change we want to make requires us to challenge our status quo push beyond our comfort zone. The seventh principle is contrast through novelty. Our brains like novelty and we recognize novelty when what we focus on contrasts to what we already know. And then the last principle, associations and emotions. The brain is in a constant state of what's called association formation. And this supports the building of memories that guide our future actions. These associations are formed through all of our senses and they dance together with surges of feeling. And when we connect to these messages, they can, at times, provide us with more valuable information about a problem than trying to think it through. 
So to recap, the eight principles of movement for bodyfulness are oscillation or full movement, balance, feedback loops, energy conservation, discipline, change and challenge, contrast through novelty, and associations and emotions. To be bodyful means that there is nothing in excess, no imbalances, nothing rigid or stuck, but rather a moving, choosing, flowing, conserving, caring, growing being. Okay then, so why do some of us find it so difficult to connect with our bodies? Chantelle, what gets in the way? So one of the reasons we have trouble coming back to our bodies is that our bodies are often viewed as things, an object separate from who we really are. And it's there to use, abuse, manipulate and persecute. We can develop a deep aggression towards our own and others' bodies that don't stack up to a perceived or socialized version of what is acceptable, beautiful and coveted. Our ignorance and self-condemnation is used to sell us into believing we are not good enough and need whatever product is being sold to make us younger, thinner, more toned and more desired. We see ourselves as ugly, wrong, stupid, slow. We can blame our body for being a heavy, stumbling, lowly, animalistic, worthless hunk of flesh, resulting in our own psychological distress and self-harm. We body shame others as a projection of our own insecurities and our biases entrench separateness and othering of people different to ourselves. Othering is particularly insidious. I mean, for those that don't fall into the accepted norm of the dominant group, well, these people can experience exclusion and segregation, color, race, ability, age, economic level, gender nonconformity. These are all used as reasons for marginalization, prohibition, and rejection. And the resultant aggression and violence can cost lives, income, as well as health. Mm. Themes of hierarchy, status, sameness and difference, separation and unity, tolerance and intolerance are all played out in relation to our bodies. Bringing ourselves back to our own bodies can turn all of this on its head. If we connect to what we feel, value the vessel as well as the messages it radiates, and love the miracle that is our bodyful ship, we may be able to resist ours and others' bias and rather embrace the attitude of acceptance and reverence. But, there's that word, if we have been disconnected and are less aware of the goings-on in this form of bone and muscle, skin and cells, then the first step is to get reacquainted with it by finding out where we are, where you are, in relation to our body awareness. Becoming aware of your body is something you have to experience. It is not something you can do by reading a book or even listening to a podcast. You do have to do something. And we're going to ask you to take part in a short exercise so that you'll be doing more than just listening. You can do it right here or right now, or if you can't, maybe you're in the car or involved in some other activity and you can't close your eyes, then come back to it later. 
Chantelle will take you through the process. I'm going to take you through a brief scan of your body. As I guide you through the process, I want you to notice any bodily sensations. Just notice them, acknowledge them, and then move on. If you notice that your mind has started wandering, just bring your awareness back to my voice and continue. Let's begin. Stop any activity you may be engaged in. Take a deep breath in and sigh it out. Close your eyes. In your mind's eye, move your awareness to your feet. How are they feeling right now? Wriggle your toes around. Now move up over your ankles, shins, calves, knees, thighs. Is there anything you notice? Any twinges, ticks, aches? Just observe, acknowledge, move on. Let's keep going to your hips, butt, moving to your back, lower back, mid back, top of your back. How does your spine feel? How is your back positioned? Are you upright? Is your back slumped forward or your shoulders drooping? How are your arms positioned? Where are your hands? Are they clenched or open? No judgment, just observe and be curious. Let's move to the front of your body, moving up from your hips, over your stomach. As you breathe, do you notice your chest rise and fall? If you are very still, maybe you can feel your heart beat. Notice your shoulders. Let's go to your neck and throat. Become aware of how your neck is sitting on your shoulders. Is there any tension that you are aware of in your neck or shoulders? Moving up over your jaw. Is it feeling tight, clenched or slack? As you breathe, can you feel the air moving in and out of your nostrils. How do your eyes feel? What about your forehead? Top of head? Back of head?
might just take a overall scan of your whole body. Just checking to see if there's anything that you're called to notice, to be aware of. And then take a deep breath in and out. And slowly come back to your space and open your eyes. How was that for you? What did you notice? Were you able to do the whole exercise or did your mind take over and go wandering? Well, that's okay. I hope you were able to come back again and again, as many times as your mind wandered off. I do say so that it would be useful to reflect on your experience. If you did find it difficult, maybe this is the first time you're trying something like this. And remember, you can always come back and try again. Right now, it's about raising your levels of awareness of your bodily sensations, whatever they may be. With practice, you'll become more attuned to what your body is saying to you. Now let's close out with the poem for this episode of Emotions Matter, Really. The poem I've chosen for today is called Feeling Full. It's a poem I wrote in 2016, a very sad and difficult year for me. It came after a joyful day and reminded me that I can feel full again. Body full. Feeling full. To feel fulfilled, to have a heart made plump like a red ripe plum, and just as sweet the thoughts and memories of times together, dripping down a mouth, open in full-throated laughter, the honey scent of satisfaction, a rubbed belly settling down for a sleep, a smile slipping away to tiptoe a dance in a contented dream, spin a pirouette of joy, ending in a bow of gratitude, holding precious the bouquet to know that I can feel full. So from me, Matthew, remember to consistently come back to your body and bye for now. And so until we meet again, be kind, be gentle. From me, Chantal, bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast and haven't already done so, Please subscribe or follow us. You can also find out more about what we do by visiting our website, fifth.place. Yes, that's all it is, fifth.place, the number 5th dot place. And for more ways to practice coming back to your body, we invite you to try out our mini audio course called How to Master Your Emotions as well as attending a free online emotional fitness class. Both of these are linked in the description for this episode.